0: now this morning I invite you to take your Bibles please and turn with me to this passage that Bethany read Psalm 116 I'm not going to reread it but we're going to look at this in uh, some detail today Uh, this is one of the great Psalms of the Psalter it is a psalm that focuses on thanksgiving and praise and we learn an awful lot about the character of God in this particular passage I think as we reflect upon the Lord Jesus the more thankful we are for him the more thankful we are for what he has provided for us at the cross uh, the more we will be prepared and equipped to express thanksgiving to one another and I trust that as you gather together with your family and friends this uh, coming Thursday that you will just season that time with expressions of thanksgiving for the blessings of God In your life for the blessings of family and friends and uh, trust that it will be a very meaningful time for you let's ask the Holy Spirit to open our minds to the truth of this passage and uh, keep your Bibles open to uh, Psalm 116 Father in heaven we do love you and thank you for the privilege we have to study your word and to learn more about you and to develop an attitude of gratitude, a, uh, a spirit of thanks living. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be in tune with you and that your Holy Spirit would work in a special way in each of our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. As we are now into the season of thanksgiving, we have also moved into the season of gift exchanges. And uh, people are flooding to the uh, malls to the shopping centers, they're buying gifts, they're getting all ready for Christmas. And almost without exception, when you're buying a gift, you need to ask for a gift receipt so that if you, uh, for whatever reason, the person that you're giving the gift to doesn't like it, you can exchange it for something uh, that maybe that person likes a little bit better. It's very interesting that. Uh, it seems as though, and this happens almost every year, that, that uh, before we even have a Thanksgiving meal, we're already into the Christmas season. It seems like Tom Turkey is always passed by by Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And it seems like everything is so focused on all that we anticipate in the coming days that the Thanksgiving can become very incidental uh, in our lives. I think many merchants agree with uh, Jiffy. If you've ever watched or read those family circus cartoons, I don't know if you have them in your paper, but in one of those cartoons, Jiffy and his, Jiffy and his mother are uh, shopping for a turkey to celebrate Thanksgiving, and uh, Jiffy looks up at his mom and says, I wish Thanksgiving came after Christmas, then I'd have even more things for which to be thankful. And that's kind of the way it is. We just many times don't understand how significant it is to be able to express our praise and our thanksgiving to God. This whole business of making exchanges came to my mind as I thought about and meditated on Psalm 116. And as the psalmist reflects on all the benefits, all the blessings that he has received from God, He asks himself a loaded question here in verse 12. How can I repay the Lord for all of his goodness to me? What can I give in exchange for all that I have received from the hand of my God? Now, when we go to a merchant and we want to exchange something, we make an exchange and we receive back the very same value of that which we've purchased. But as the psalmist reflects on all the blessings that God has given to him, he realizes that he cannot even begin to match the generosity of God, the blessings of God in his life. And as he reflects, he's flabbergasted that God's given him so much more than he could ever give back in return to God. And so as he ponders uh, the blessings of God and the 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 outpouring of god's goodness in his life he asks himself what can i how can i make a real exchange what can i give to god that really uh, expresses the longings the thanksgivings the praises of my heart uh, to the living god and so as we get into this uh, passage we see that there are a number of benefits, the number of blessings that the psalmist receives from the awesome hand of God. You see this, first of all, in verses 1 and 2. First blessing is that the Lord hears his cry for mercy. Uh, Verse 1, I love the Lord, for he heard my voice, and he heard my cry for mercy. Mercy. The Bible repeatedly reminds us that the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and His ears are always open to our prayers. In fact, it's as if God places His ear to the mouth of our prayer and He hears everything that we pray to Him. And uh, when it speaks of the fact that uh, He hears my cry because He turned His ear toward me, It really means that God is bending down low. He longs to hear the cry of our heart. Uh, He longs for that communication uh, to come from us directly to Him. And as he reflects on the fact that God hears his prayer, uh, it, it causes two responses on his part. First of all, he says, You have heard my voice. I love the Lord. Uh, The more we uh, turn to the Lord with prayer and understand that He hears our voice, the greater will be our love for Him. And it will also stimulate us to call upon the Lord. Notice in verse 2, As long as I live. In other words, there is a sense of being so overwhelmed with this reality that God hears His prayer That he makes a commitment, he not only is going to love the Lord, but he's going to call on the name of the Lord as long as he lives. As long as God gives him breath, he is going to continue to call upon the name of the Lord. And the question we must ask ourselves is this. Is this our practice? Are we in the practice of calling upon the name of the Lord as long as we live? Do we do it regularly? His antenna is always turned toward us. And what's great about God is that we have high-speed access to Him. We don't have a dial-up connection with God. We have high-speed access to Him. And this is what causes the psalmist here in this passage to be so grateful and thankful that the Lord has heard his cry for mercy. Secondly, he's thankful he's blessing the Lord because he's delivered him from trouble in verse 3 notice the cords of death entangled me the anguish of the grave came upon me i was overcome by trouble and sorrow there were many times as the psalmist reflects on his life that things didn't go the way he anticipated there were times when he was in deep trouble in deep distress in fact there had been times when the trouble was so severe that he despaired even for his life but in verse 3 notice As trouble and sorrow overcame him, he called once again on the name of the Lord. He called upon God. Difficulty did not drive the psalmist away from the Lord. Rather, it drove him to a greater dependency upon God. And in the process of delivering him in his time of need, the psalmist, in this passage, learn some more about the greatness, the awesomeness of God. I believe that that's one of the great lessons that all of us can learn, is that when we do go through times of difficulty, when things don't add up, when it seems as though our best efforts are in vain, that is when God makes known to us who He really is. And especially at this Thanksgiving time, I think we all need a fresh understanding of how awesome and powerful and mighty our God is. And we notice here in this passage that he learns three incredible truths about God in verse 5. Notice, the first thing he learns about God is that God is gracious. God hadn't allowed anything to come into his life which he himself was not aware there's not one single thing that we experience in our lives as believers that first of all does not pass through the heart of God and God is gracious he is long suffering in his relationship to us he loves us he cares for us and he always knows what is best for us, and when we are in those places where we're overcome with sorrow and and trouble and difficulty, uh, the Lord deals with us very graciously. I'm so thankful for the gracious way in which God deals with us. He doesn't react to us. He responds to us with grace. He always wants to empower us so that we can overcome whatever it is that the enemy may throw in our direction. And so the graciousness of God becomes very real to the psalmist as he reflects on all these incredible blessings that God has given to him. Number two, he found God to be righteous. God is a just God. God doesn't allow difficulties to come our way because he wants to hurt us or upset us but rather he allows them to come because of his justice to stretch us so that we will become more like him so that we will develop a character that is mirrored after his own character and that instead of reacting in negativity we can respond with a sense of of, of joy and actually a sense of thanksgiving so He is righteous, He is gracious. And then thirdly, He found God to be full of compassion. That word compassion means His steadfast love. It's a Hebrew word called hesed, that God is just gracious and kind. He loves us so much, His compassion. And it's His, his strengthening compassion that sees us through the difficulties, whatever they may be. Those things are too big for us to handle Are no match for our God who is full of compassion and so as we think about Thanksgiving this year I want you to think about God in these terms that he is gracious that he is righteous that he is full of compassion we have an awesome God a God that we can completely trust and then number three The Lord helps him in time of need. He not only responds to his prayer and delivers him in time of trouble, but he helps him when he needs him the most. Notice in verse 6, he said, The Lord protects the simple-hearted. When I was in great need, underscore those words, when I was in great need, the Lord saved me. The Lord responded to me we need to let the Lord know what our great needs are. And sometimes we can't even express the need because we are so weak. Uh, We can't even verbalize what's on our hearts before God, but as the psalmist reflects on his life and as he understands the journey that he has been on, there have been times when his need has been so great that he probably can't even verbalize it to God, and yet god in that moment comes around him with his everlasting arms aren't you glad that when your need is the greatest that's when god undergirds us and strengthens us and empowers us with his grace i think of Cory ten boom when she was in those nazi prison camps and was tempted to give up, and she comes to the conclusion that there's no pit that's so deep that God's love is not deeper still. In her greatest need, she experienced the everlasting arms of the Lord Jesus. And you'll note in verse 7, he concludes, Be at rest once more, O my soul, for the Lord has been good to me. So in times of our great need, we have a resource. We don't have to face that great need alone. And then number four, God provides three-dimensional healing for the psalmist. Notice, he says, For you, O Lord, have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from stumbling. God not only met him, not only met him at the point of his need, but he provided supernatural help. And this is something that all of us, I think, can really depend upon. That when we are going through things that don't make sense to us, and we have no rational reason as to why they're happening, that is when God supernaturally steps in. And the psalmist here says, first of all, uh, he is so thankful and so praiseful that the Lord delivered his soul from death. The Lord in mercy kept him alive. When he was tempted to give up and allow whatever it was that was overwhelming to him to get the best of him, he experienced this this physical presence of the Lord, uh, and it's by God's mercy that he's kept alive. Do you realize every day God protects our lives? He keeps us from death. It's a supernatural protection. God looks after us even when we're unaware. God is protecting us. He's looking after us. I mean, it's just the other day. Uh, staff was up in and We did a couple of days of planning and praying and believing God for the future of East Bay. And on the way, I got lost. Uh, and it was snowing and it was all over the place. And I, got, I, I discovered parts of Interlochen that I think no one else ever understood. And in the midst of all of this, I hit a piece of ice. And I tell you, that, that little car started going all over the place. We went down in the ditch. I missed a sign by about three inches. Moved around, got back on the road. God takes care of us. Even in the things that... I mean, it happened so quick. I didn't have time to pray. I didn't have time to express my uh, praise to the Lord Jesus. But He protects us. He provides We live and move and have our being because the living God is by our side. And then he also provides not only physical uh, healing, but emotional healing. He says, you delivered my eyes from tears. God comforted him when he was grieving. He comforted him with his wonderful presence. You see, it's only the Lord Jesus that can turn grief into gladness. It's only the Lord Jesus that can wipe away all tears and I believe that this looks ahead to that moment yet future when God will wipe away all tears from our eyes and we'll be able to behold the living true God and begin to just praise him for all of eternity over what he has done for us and providing the emotional healing that we need and then he also provided spiritual healing notice my feet from stumbling he says in verse 10 I believed therefore I said I am greatly afflicted he's been tempted to give up he's been experiencing things that he did not fully understand you could translate verse 10 this way I clung to my faith even when I said I am sorely afflicted He hangs on to God no matter what he experiences. And in the process, God delivers him. He keeps his feet from stumbling into into further personal uh, misery and distress. God shows his mighty hand to the psalmist in providing physical, emotional, and spiritual healing uh, as he faces these uh, situations in life. And as he reflects on all that God has done for him, as he reflects on the character of God, he is just so moved that he wants to do something in return. He wants to make an exchange. God has been so good to him, and so he cries out to God. In verse 12, he says, How can I repay the Lord for all of His goodness to me? And I would put a... Uh, a circle around that verse that is a key verse that unlocks the rest of this particular passage uh, I think that one of the problems with our fast-paced world is that we don't take enough time to reflect now, we are so wrapped up in meeting schedules and deadlines and scheduling and everything and we do not spend the kind of time reflecting on the goodness of God and you know the early pilgrims set a beautiful example of this for us on that uh, very first thanksgiving when they gathered together a tradition tells us they placed five grains of of corn on each empty plate and before they ever began to uh, enjoy that feast and that meal together everybody around that table they would go uh, person by person and each person would pick up a little kernel of corn that also reminded them of how desperate they had been. They had been without food and and God had miraculously looked after them. But each one would pick up a little piece of corn and say to everybody around that, that dinner table what they were thankful for and why they were thankful. I want to encourage us to reflect on not only on what we are thankful for but why we are thankful for it Uh, and to do that with a sense of having reflected uh, on all the blessings and all the benefits that God has given to us and that is what thanksgiving is really all about I believe as Christ followers God wants us to transform thanksgiving into thanks living where we are actually giving thanks on a daily basis for all that God has provided for us now as the psalmist reflects he makes three great exchanges first of all he says I will partake of the cup of salvation verse 13 I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord the first response of the psalmist is to lift up that cup of salvation. And the next time he would go into the temple to worship, he would offer a drink offering to the Lord as an expression of his personal gratitude. And this would be a public testimony. You see, when we are giving thanks, we are publicly acknowledging God's goodness to us, his work in our lives. And the drink offering was usually offered in connection with the feast. Of tabernacles, which called to mind all the wilderness wanderings of Israel and the completion of the harvest. It was also a time to thank God for His bounty and fre- make a fresh commitment to Him. Now, that cup of salvation refers to the public act of worship and is suggestive of God's great gift to man. And as such, the cup of salvation represents the very essence of the gospel the very essence of why Jesus entered our world. Salvation can be offered freely to us because God took the initiative toward us. When we had no capacity to return anything to God, God reaches out to us. And He offers us freely the gift of His Son. Through His death, burial, and resurrection, we partake of that cup of salvation which is the exact opposite of the foaming cup of wrath which we all deserve and which someday is going to be poured out on all those who've heard the message and yet have turned their backs on Jesus we need to respond to this marvelous provision that God has made for us in sending Jesus into the world the Old Testament Psalm 34 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. So why should we partake of the cup of salvation? First of all, we do so because Jesus has paid the sin penalty. He's paid our penalty. All of us as human beings are under the wrath of God. We're all born with a sin nature. We're all born with a, with a personality and an attitude and a mindset that is against God. And yet God took our place in sending His Son. And Jesus takes the penalty that we deserved. The Bible says all we like sheep have gone astray. And the Lord has laid everything upon Jesus, the iniquity of us all outside of Christ just think about this we are all under the sentence of death apart from Christ we have absolutely no hope for the future and God who's rich in mercy sends his son and his son frees us from the penalty of sin and allows us to experience new life in Christ Jesus not only pays our penalty, but He pardons our sin. The Bible says, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that is a continual cleansing. It's not just something that happens at salvation. It's it's a continual cleansing. We have to have uh, many opportunities and take advantage of the opportunities. When we know we have sinned, to just stop and then confess it And God forgives us. He pardons us. Again, I think of the great revivalist John Wesley. When he made his commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, he was so overwhelmed that he told his friends, you know, I've received this wonderful gift of life. I better be quiet. And his friends said, oh, no, no, Mr. Wesley. If you had a thousand tongues, you ought to proclaim what God has done for you. A little bit later Wesley went to his room and he meditated on what that friend had said to him about constantly giving praise to God for what God has done for him and he wrote down the words to that familiar old hymn we don't sing very often anymore oh for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise the glories of my God and King the triumphs of his grace you see when God saves us when he transforms us he wants us to share the good news of our salvation with others he not only pays the penalty for our sin provides pardon for sin but he places us into the family of god there's no greater relationship in all the world than to actually be placed into god's forever family by an act of our faith we make him part of our lives and he takes over we no longer in the driver's seat he the living God as we partake of this wonderful cup and there's no greater ingratitude I believe than not to thank God on a regular basis for our salvation just think back when you received Jesus when was the last time you just said thank you Thank you for all that you've done for me. Thank you for bearing the sin penalty. Thank you for pardoning me of my sin. Thank you for placing me into your forever family. You see, as we reflect and we think back over all the blessings that God does for us, we will want to partake of that cup of salvation. Number two, he says, I will pay my vows. You see this in verse 14. He says, I will fulfill my vows. To the Lord verse 18 I will fulfill my vows to the Lord now whenever you see a phrase repeated in Scripture your spiritual eyes must kind of light up because no word in Scripture is uh, without significance and when a phrase is repeated more than once it's really important for us to take notice the benefits that God bestows upon him reminds him of the promises that he has made to God. Now, what is a vow? A vow is a promise that must be kept. You may want to keep your Bibles open to Psalm 116 and turn with me over to Ecclesiastes, uh, chapter 5, beginning at verse 4. Very significant what we read in Ecclesiastes. He says, uh, the preacher, he says, When you make a vow to God, do not delay in fulfilling it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better to not vow than to make a vow and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin. And then notice verse 7, Much dreaming and many words are Meaningless. Therefore, stand in awe of God. The psalmist, as he reflects upon the goodness of God, he says, Lord, I want to partake of the cup of salvation, and Lord, I want to fulfill the vows that I have made. Let me tell you, it's easy to make promises. It's very difficult to keep them. And so many times I fear, and I'm speaking to myself as well here this morning, we make promises, we make promises to God. But somehow down the line, it just, life takes over and we forget about the promise that we have made to Him. And it's so important that we maintain our integrity by keeping that which we have promised to God. It's interesting in Psalm 15 and verse 4 the Bible says uh, the person of integrity keeps his oath even when it hurts and again in Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 6 many a man claims to have unfailing love but a faithful man who can find it is a rare individual who follows through on the promises on the vows that they make and so the psalmist here is saying Lord as I reflect upon all that you have done for me I'm reminded of some of those vows that I've made and somewhere down the line I feel like I have failed and so he wants to renew his commitment to following through on all that the Lord has provided for him Number two, a fulfilled vow stimulates others to keep their promises. It's interesting as you read these verses, verses 14 and 18, he says, I will fulfill the vows to the Lord in the presence, notice, of all His people. And again in verse 18, in the presence of all His people. Now he's not doing that so people can put him up on a pedestal so that he comes across as better than anyone else. He does it because he knows as he follows through on his promises that will stimulate others to follow through on the promises they themselves have made to God. You see, when we fulfill our promise, it not only pleases God, but it stimulates others to whom we've made those promises. It stimulates them to know How important those promises are to us, and that we do not want to forget them. If if we're not careful, I fear that we can make quick promises to God. Sometimes it happens when we're afflicted, sometimes it happens when we're in desperate straits, and we will make a promise, we'll make a vow to God. And then when everything comes back to normal, we Proceed with our life as usual and we forget about the promises that we make. We need to take time to reflect on the vows that we have made. What about our marriage vows? Are we faithful to the wife of our youth? What about our vow to not do anything that we know will displease the Lord? When temptation comes, do we Get curious about it, or do we run from evil? Are we enticed by evil, or do we run away? What about our promise to honor the Lord in our service? What about even our membership covenant? We promise that we're going to live together in unity. We promise that we're going to get reconciled with each other. We promise that we're going to do this as a member of East Bay. What about those promises that we make? Have we followed through? You see, all too often we get so wrapped up and so busy in doing church that we forget some of the very significant promises that we have made to the Lord. What about your commitment to study the Bible and to pray on a regular basis? What about your commitment to have family devotions? What about your commitment to share your faith at work? You know you need to do this. You've made a promise to God, but somewhere down the line that hasn't happened. What about your promise to honor the Lord with the first fruits of your income? Back in 2 Corinthians 8, verses 10 and 12, It's interesting that the apostle reminds the Corinthian church that at one time they had made a commitment to help the struggling Jerusalem church who was going through a time of financial distress. In fact, he reminds them that they were very eager to participate in this offering for this suffering church. But somewhere down the line, they had forgotten about that. And so in that particular passage, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, he is challenging a church who made a commitment to help another church to follow through on the vows that they have made. I've often said this many, many times. If all of us followed through on the vow that we make to honor the Lord with the first fruits of our offering, churches would never have any need. If we all honored the Lord, we have every bill taken care of. Most of us, We make that promise and there is a real desire to do so. But then things happen. And that's normal. When we don't have the resources. See, God doesn't expect us to give something we don't have. But He does expect us to honor Him with what we do have. And we do that by, first of all, giving ourselves to the Lord. It's very interesting in this passage that the psalmist here, or that uh, Paul talks about the fact that what motivated the Corinthians to fulfill their vow was that they first gave themselves to the Lord. And so, when we give ourselves to the Lord, then all other giving becomes very easy. And then, number three, you'll notice that he makes an exchange. He said, I will practice thanksgiving. Verse 17, notice I will sacrifice a thank offering. Put a circle around. Thank offering to you and once again call on the name of the Lord. You see how many times again and again in this passage he's calling upon the name of the Lord. He's asking God uh, to help him to fulfill these vows. Now a thank offering in the Old Testament was simply an expression of gratitude for everything that God had done. On behalf of his people. And it was to be the very best. He encouraged people to give God not the leftovers of their fruit and those of their animals. You know, Malachi talks about this that uh, so often we give God leftovers. He, he doesn't want the diseased sheep, he doesn't want the diseased goats, he doesn't want something that doesn't really mean something to us. He wants the very best. And so this was voluntary. this was not something that was forced. Uh, this is something that came, comes from the heart. you see when when we are in this period of reflection, uh, we we everything that we do, it's not because someone asks us to do it, it comes from a heart because we want to please God. Now notice he says, this thank offering, and I will call upon the name of the Lord." Now. I want to tie this to a key passage in Hebrews. If you want to flip over to Hebrews uh, chapter 13, beginning at verse 15 and 16. And here you have the New Testament equivalent. The writer here says, Through Jesus, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess His name, and do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. There are three dimensions to this sacrifice of praise. First of all, thankful lips. We're to offer God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips. Thanksgiving is to be punctuated by thanks saying expressions of gratitude. We need to verbalize our appreciation for one another, our appreciation for the blessings of God. All too often, and it's so easy to slip into this, we go through life and we take things for granted until things are taken away from us. When we don't have water, for example, just a week ago, we had a leak there at that beautiful cottage. Stepped down in the basement and stepped into an inch of water. Had no idea. The whole basement was flooded. And for a week we were without water. Man, that was hard. We are really grateful for water. You see, many times, things like this occur and they surprise us. We didn't know that things were all corroded and Messed up, but we saw the effects. And so Sandy and I have been very thankful for water. <laughs> and we're so thankful for heat. We can actually now flush the toilets. Very interesting. You know, many of these things, I mean, I was going and getting bottles of water and all kinds of things. So, But you see, God wants us to be very, very thankful. He wants us to praise Him. He wants us... Even in the things that are mundane, to be expressing our praise and our gratitude. And the more we express our gratitude to God, the greater will be our desire to express our gratitude to others. I think think Dan Olson, Cheryl, man, they came over and they helped us clean up the mess. Oh my goodness. I thank God for those that came over last night and scooped out our driveway so we could get here this morning. I mean... It is wonderful when we see how God puts it upon the hearts of others to help one another. And I am so grateful for what so many have done for us. You have sacrificed for us. You've taken time to invest in our lives. And we will be forever grateful. But the fruit of our lips, the more we can praise, the more we can affirm one another, uh, the greater our desire will be to love and honor the lord jesus and thankful lips proceed to good deeds not just something we verbalize it's something we actually do thanksgiving is not just an isolated event in november it's something that is to be carried on throughout the rest of the year and then notice a sharing spirit he says and to Not forget to do good and to share with others for with such sacrifices God is pleased there are many opportunities for us to share it's always good to share it's more blessed to give than receive isn't it it's just amazing but the more we share it not only blesses us it blesses others and it helps all of us to develop what I call a thanks living lifestyle. God is so good. Evidences of his goodness are all around us. Every day, God gives us beautiful expressions of his love, his goodness, and his grace. And the psalmist says, in exchange, Lord, for all that you've given to me, I'm going to lift up that cup of salvation. I'm going to worship you with a new understanding of all that you've done for me. I'm going to fulfill my vows, the promises that I make, and I'm going to offer to you thanksgiving as long as I live. So often, we fail to make the thanksgiving exchange. How can we repay? How can we repay one that has done so much for us? We do so by following the instructions of the psalmist. Partaking of the cup of salvation, paying our vows, and practicing sacrifices of praise. I would encourage you, as you go home, way before the Thanksgiving meal, sit down, and write a note to God and list all the things for which you are thankful and then share that with your family and your friends. Let's stand together, shall we, for closing prayer. Father in heaven, what a privilege it is to know you and to love you to worship and adore you you are our great god you're worthy of our praise and on this thanksgiving sunday may we leave here with just joy in our spirits realizing that we have been recipients of your goodness and we're making a fresh commitment to exchange these commitments Commitment to keep our promises, commitment to offer sacrifices of praise, commitment to rejoice in our salvation. We offer these back to you, knowing that we can never, never, ever outgive all that you've given to us. Lord, as we leave this place of worship, may we do so with hearts filled with thanksgiving and gratitude and love for all that you are and all that you've given to us and now may the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of god and that sweet communion of the holy spirit be with you now and evermore we pray amen good morning maranatha lo he comes have a wonderful thanksgiving have a great day in jesus god bless you